The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 125th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots! Ah! I think that's all I had left in my voice. It's been a, it's been a sick week. Sick. Uh, the kid was sick, and then he got me sick. But today's show is going to be a lot of house cleaning. House cleaning. I want to talk to you about a few of the projects we're working on. Uh, the concept of this show... And also, I saw The Mummy, and at the end, I have an interview with Stan Lee I'd like to share with you. I mean, I feel like that's the way to close out a house cleaning episode. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. My co-host, movie critic E.J. Marino, is kind of off this week, but you should definitely check out his spoiler review of Wonder Woman over on YouTube. At the risk of sounding too hyperbolic, I feel like I've personally waited for this movie my entire life. Not only do I love female superheroes, I love the DC Universe, and I love Wonder Woman specifically, so this movie is a pretty big deal, and I'm really glad I'm getting to talk about it now. Go to Monkeys Fight, go to YouTube, and then go to Mon- and search for Monkeys Fighting Robots. And it should be the most recent one right there. And just click on it. It's got EJ's face right next to Wonder Woman. Just checking out. It's been kind of a weird week. We saw Mummy on Tuesday. I got sick, so we couldn't record. And my voice is kind of holding together. And I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about a few different things. Uh, because you guys are amazing. And since you guys are amazing, if you like the show, subscribe to the show on Blog Talk Radio. And give us uh, your comments. Uh, any review possible is awesome and we really appreciate that from you guys but the big announcement monkeys fighting robots the movie show the movie show that's what we're gonna be we're gonna be the movie show because we might start launching other shows from monkeys fighting robots and the next one coming out is the comic show by monkeys fighting robots comic book editor anthony Composto will be co-hosting the show with myself as I get back in the comic books. This podcast with EJ and I will still be the same, and we'll talk about movies. Then we'll have a more specific one on comic books. And I don't want you to worry. EJ and I will still banter about everything under the sun. That's what we do best. But I'm also very excited to get back into my comic book roots I got some catching up to do and we've got some good stuff coming out. So 
I think two weeks from now might be the first episode that comes out from the comic show by Monkeys Fighting Robots. And next week will be the official launch of the movie show by Monkeys Fighting Robots. That intro was all the voice I had left in me. I now have holes in my mouth. If I can get through this. So if I sound like I have stuff in my mouth, it's because I got stuff in my mouth. So I stopped coughing. It's the worst, man. I'm going to have to wash my mic cover after this episode. Disgusting. Too much information, sir. But like I said, we saw The Mummy this week. It's the brand new Dark Universe by Universal Studios. I was all excited. I even watched Monster Squad over the weekend because that's the actual official launch of the Dark Universe. Wolfman's got nards, man. It's classic. It's epic. So The Mummy came out. And I kind of have the same feelings I have about the Transformers universe. I will continue to give them money every time a movie comes out. But man, I wish these movies were better. I love the universe that they created with all the different monsters. But the execution was god-awful. And Tom Cruise, he can do action. And that boy can run. He runs so fast. He runs so much. But he has absolutely no chemistry lately with any of the female leads he's casted with. I don't know what is going on or how he keeps himself or what's, you know, Scientology. I'm not even going to go into that one. But, like, Annabelle Wallace, really nice girl. Thought she did a really good job as the scientist of the group. But there is supposed to be a relationship there. And when the shit hits the fan and Tom Cruise is supposed to be all depressed and all emotional about stuff, he just doesn't just come through. You see him look at her and he's like, nothing, nothing going on. And those eyes, he's dead in the eyes. He's dead in the eyes. So, Tom, you got to work on that. I don't know what you're, what's going on in the world of Tom Cruise's head. But he's got to get, he's got to work on the chemistry. Somebody's got to work at the casting director. I don't know. They got to put him in the same room. Be like, hey guys, what are you doing? My other major disappointment with this movie is Russell Crowe playing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I thought this was a brilliant casting. And he's creepy and everything. And I was like, oh, oh, how's this going to play out? And then when he turned into Mr. Hyde, I was like, that's it. That's that's what he's going to look like. And then his personality was kind of like, it was, he went half Jekyll or half Mr. Hyde. He needs to go full Mr. Hyde and just be crazy. He was kind of just like pseudo crazy. So whoever wrote this film, Mr. Hyde needs to go more Mr. Hyde. They didn't go Mr. Hyde enough, but he should have just been crazy. You know, like Joker-esque crazy. And he, he just wasn't. But I still like Russell Crowe. I thought he played a good character. And I thought that the battle between Tom Cruise and Mr. Hyde was was a decent fight. But there could have been amazing dialogue. And I think the, the monster could have looked better. Speaking of monsters. Oh my gatos. There was a lot of cameos of monsters in this. Because they showed vampire teeth they showed the creature from blue lagoon or the swamp monster or whatever you want to call them 
They show some werewolf stuff. Like, oh, there was lots of stuff going on in the background. And that's why I love this universe. And then the overall story is a pretty good origin story. The outline of this movie is amazing. The script is bad. Which then leads into like execution issues. But the outline of this script is amazing. Or the plot. The outline of this movie is amazing. Like if I saw the outline, I'd be like, oh my God, this has the most potential. And it did. But then how they lead everything together and how they filmed it and then how they like made characters do what they did. I was like, oh. But again, I've seen every Transformers movie in that theater hoping to get something because I love the universe. And that is the same thing with this, the dark universe. I love this universe. I love the concept. I'm going to see it every time it comes out. And I'm hoping it's not too painful. Go see it. Form your own opinion. It could be a Netflix and chill kind of moment, or it could be an HBO moment, or it could be a DVD moment. But it's still an action movie. There's a few decent action scenes in it. We're like, oh, I probably should have watched that on the big screen. But, like, it's got potential. I wait for it to go to, like, the cheaper movie theater. Still support the theaters. Just don't pay full price. Matinee. A matinee would be awesome. Go see his matinee. You know, but if you're me, you go see it open at night, and you fork over your money. And you're like, ah, there was like one cool moment. And that makes up for all the other shooting moments. Sort of. Sort of. Again, it's a really awesome outline of a movie. They had it. It was there. And then they, ah. Hi, guys. I want to close out this show. And you're like, man, we're only only 10 minutes into the show. Well, I mean the second half of the show. I want to close out the second half of the show with this awesome experience I was brought to on Monday. I was asked by Awesome Con to join a conference call with Stan Lee. Stan Lee. And I got to submit two questions to the conference call. CEO of Awesome Con, Greg Topillion, he hosted the conference call and he asked everybody's questions so don't expect to hear my voice in this interview but just so you know my words were said one of the questions i had for stan was you have been involved in the comic book industry since 1939 what is the proudest moment of your career i feel like that's a solid question that was a solid question And my other question I had, you became editor-in-chief of Timely Comics at age 19. What advice do you have for future comic editors of the world? That should be a pretty, pretty solid question. And, uh, but the Goosey's moment of this interview, and it makes everything worth it leading up to that, is when Stan talks about Jack Kirby two-thirds of the way through the interview. And he talks about his experience with Jack and working with Jack and how Jack drew. Stan Lee has an amazing voice. And to have Stan Lee talk about you and the Stan Lee voice 
is amazing. And you forget that. Like, Stan Lee is an old dude. Like, he's really, really old. But as soon as you talk, you're like, oh, my God, that's Stan Lee. And just to be on the phone call and have Stan Lee in L.A. or wherever he is now, calling in and being part of that, oh, man, it was just an amazing experience. I'm glad I was there. Check out the interview. Fantastic. Stan, how are you this morning? You just said it. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Great. So, so everybody, we, we've got uh, quite a few members of the media on the line. Their, their lines are all muted. So just wanted to uh, welcome all the members of the press to the call. This is Greg Kapalian. I'm the founder and president of, of Left Field Media, the company that, that owns and operates AwesomeCon. We've also got Ben Penrod on, who is, in fact, the founder of AwesomeCon. Um, so, but more Lord, importantly... Make me nervous for the important yeah. people on the phone. <laughs> More, more important, guys. Uh, so we've got we received all of your questions from the media. We've we sort of tried to consolidate down uh, down to a, a, a select top questions that we're going to ask uh, Stanley this morning. Uh, we're about two weeks away from the show. We're we're expecting to have the largest and best awesome con in, in the history of the event, and 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 certainly I think most of us would agree that that. Having Stanley as as a guest at the show is probably one of those top reasons. So, uh, so thank you all for being on, and and Stan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. Yeah, it's pretty damn nice of me, but you're welcome. <laughs> let's get to the meat and potatoes, Greg. Yeah, let's get let's get into it, guys. So, so Stan, one of the first questions we wanted to ask you is, what authors did you read as a child, and and whose work and what stories launched your imagination? Well, I don't know specifically which. I, I loved reading Edgar Allan Poe, but I read Mark Twain. I read uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, Jules Verne. Um, I, I read every everything I could lay my hands on. I even read Shakespeare. And uh, I loved everything that I read. I, I, I loved to read George Bernard Shaw. I read him. Uh, Charles Dickens. H.G. Wells. Wow. I could go on wow. and on. I, I read anything that I thought was worth reading. That, that's great. So a, a second second question is, back in 2001, you worked with DC Comics on, on a 13 comic series called Just Imagine. How did this come about, and who were your favorite DC characters? Well, as a matter of fact, it came about by somebody at DC asking me if I could do that. At first, I thought they were joking, but they really meant it. So I tried writing the series of books. And um, what was the second part of the question? So, so who was your favorite DC character to reinvent? Well, to tell you the truth, I didn't read much of the DC books, but um, <laughs> I, I, I can't think of a favorite. The only two I can remember are Batman and uh, Superman. And of course, there was Wonder Woman. Yeah, but, um, of course. I didn't. I, I wasn't a big DC fan. Gotcha, gotcha. So, w what's it been like watching the comics industry grow from you know the newsstand days of you know the '40s into a multi-billion-dollar industry with tens of millions of fans all around the world? It's indescribable. I never thought it would happen. When I got in. My name was Stanley Martin Lieber. That was my birth name. 
And I intended someday to write, hopefully, a good book. Um, when I got into comics, people hated comics so much. Most parents didn't want their kids to read them. I couldn't understand that. I thought comics were a good way to tell a story, but I will admit a lot of the stories were badly written in those days. At any rate, people dislike comics so much that I changed my name. I wrote under the name Stan Lee because I didn't want to embarrass my real name in case I ever wrote something meaningful. I didn't want to be plagued by being known as a comic book writer. But, of course, that's changed tremendously. Now, I'm very proud to be known as a comic book writer. And the public, their perception of comics has changed completely. But, actually, most teachers and parents were right years ago in condemning a lot of comics because all the comics were were stories of people punching each other and fighting each other. I remember when I first came to work for this company, uh, the publisher said, don't bother with characterization and involved plots. Just give me a lot of action. I want a lot of fight scenes. So that's, <laughs> that's what it was years ago when I got into the business. So is it, is it a huge surprise to you that it's, that it's become such a you know, an incredible media world with all the, the movies and everything else. Did you ever see that as even possible? No, I never in a million years thought it would turn out the way it did. I, I used to lecture. I used to go around the around the world, actually. I went to Italy, to Germany, to all over. And, and I'd speak at colleges and places telling them that comics were really a good way to tell a story. You're seeing the action and you're reading the dialogue. Not much different from going to the theater and seeing a Shakespeare play. You hear the words and you're seeing the action. Well, the difference is in characters don't move, but it's the same thing. You hear the words and you're seeing the action. So there's nothing wrong with the comic form it's just how well you do it. Oh, one thing that I'm going to mention parenthetically, the word comic book should be written as two words. <laughs> because if it's written as two words, it means a funny book, a comic book. It should be one word, comic book. That makes it a unique type of literature. And be, don't ever let me catch you writing it as two words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone be warned. So what, what are you most looking forward to about, about coming to AwesomeCon and, and to Washington, D.C.? I don't know the last time you visited D.C., but w what's top on your list? Well, I, um, I don't know whether Trump will have time for me or not. You know, we have to work that out. Now, my <laughs> list is just to meet with the fans, as I always do, meet with my fellow artists and writers, and just have a good time. Great, great. And is there any one piece of advice that you received during your career that stuck with you? Well, no, not really. But there's a piece of advice I've tried to give people because um, a lot of people ask what they should write. They want to be writers and how should they write and what should they write. And I always tell them so many people try to write 
for other people. By that I mean, and they'll say, I think this story would be good for people from uh, 25 to 30, or this would be good for somebody from 18 to 22, or whatever, or this will be good for people who like this type of I never tried to write for any particular age group or social group. I always tried to write stories that I myself might enjoy reading because I feel I'm not that unique. If there's a story I like, there must be millions of other people with similar tastes and they'd like it too. So I never ever wrote for other people. I always wrote for myself. I wanted to please me. I was my toughest critic. If I liked a story, I felt it has to be good because I'm a normal guy. I like it, so it's probably good. And um, I think if you try to write for other people, for other type of people, it's a lot more difficult to do than just writing something that you yourself would enjoy. End of school lecture. There you go. I think that's great advice. So next question, which Marvel character that you created or worked on do you think is underrated or underappreciated and is due for a revival, either in comics or in film? Well, I, I think the Silver Surfer has been underrated. I, I think he's a great character. And the thing I like about him, I was always able to get a lot of bits of philosophy that he would utter. And... Um, they don't use him as much as I wish they would. Uh, he's he's one of my favorite characters. Okay, so sort of sort of uh, on the same vein, in regards to all the comic characters you've created over the years, has there been anything that you'd regretted in the creation of any of them? Would you have changed their sex, their age, their ethnicity, anything like that? Anything you'd love to go back and said, I'd do it differently? You know, I've never thought of that before, but. Now that you mention it and I'm thinking about it, no, no, I, I must be very easy to please. But uh, no, I, I think they're all just about the way I wanted them. I think gotcha. about the way they should be. Right. So you, you've been involved in the industry since 1989, and you've been involved with so many amazing achievements. Is there a proudest moment of your career? Yeah, I think probably doing this interview with all you great uh, correspondents. <laughs> now, right. I don't, I don't think about much. I just, um, I just go on trying to live from day to day. I uh, each day is exciting. Each day there's something new that comes along, and uh, I can't think of a, a proudest moment. Really, I, I have. There have been so many proud moments. Sure. Well, I'll give you. I'm going to ask you a very specific question now. So one of one of my favorite I'll give you parts a very specific no, answer, go ahead, please. Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite parts of Silver Age Marvel was your your constant credit jokes at the expense of of letterers Artie Simic and Sam Rose. Oh, you remember you're talking a little? You're going, you're going too fast, Greg. I oh, couldn't make sorry. out what you said. Oh, sorry. So uh, back in the Silver Age uh, Marvel days. One of you, was your, you, you had these constant credit jokes at the expense of the letterers, Artie Simic and Sam Rosen. Do you remember how that tradition started? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I always wanted to put the credits down. I felt that it would be good to treat comics like movies. 
in a movie, you get the name of the director, the screenwriter, and, and all the other people, too. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun? Nobody ever gives the letter a credit. I'll, I'll have the letters. I'll have the production people. I'll have the editor. Any name I could think of, I'll, I'll put in the credits. But then it occurred to me, why not keep it friendly and funny and make it easier for the kids to remember? I'll give them all nicknames. So I tried to put little nicknames in for each guy. And um, I don't even remember all the nicknames now, but it was enjoyable to me. And the fans seemed to like it. And that made me happy. Gotcha. And, and the yeah. uh, letterers and editors and proofreaders, they liked it too, because they were finally getting some recognition. Great. Okay. So, okay. Next question. So, Jack Kirby, you you obviously had had an opportunity um, uh, to work with Jack in your career. And w- what's is there any favorite story about working with Jack that you you'd share with us? I can't think of any. I'm not good with favorite stories. My life has been so many stories, but working with Jack was one of the great experiences of my life. Jack would have been one of the world's greatest film directors. He knew how to picture a scene and how to get the most drama out of an incident of any artist that I knew. The thing about Jack, whatever he tried to draw, if it was a man running or hitting another man or somebody looking surprised or frightened or whatever it was, once he drew it, you couldn't picture it any better no matter what he drew, it was as though he always drew things as well as they could possibly be drawn. Nobody could improve on them. <laughs> he extracted the same amount of drama and excitement in every panel. He could just have two people talking to each other, and there was something interesting about the way he did it. He was a fantastic storyteller. And there's one thing, Greg, I can elaborate a little bit. When Stan talks about Jack, there was a story that he told me when Stan used to watch Jack actually draw. He would would draw like the image was there already. He wouldn't go back and erase anything. It was just done one time, and that's how it went. It's like when uh, you have a rock and a sculptor is just chipping away the pieces that they don't need in that rock because the image has always been there. That was Jack's way of drawing, which Stan told me. Yeah, Jack was very often watching Jack draw. It was as though he was tracing a drawing that had already been there. His his pencil strokes were so sharp and so definite, and he would never draw a line and then erase it and do it over again. It's as though it had been there before, and he was simply tracing it, and it was perfect. That's amazing. Great, great story, guys. So, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up with, with one final question here. I think one of, at least one of my favorites, and and I know thousands and millions of other fans agree, your cameos in in the Marvel, uh, in the Marvel films. Is there a favorite cameo so far? Well, yeah, oh, a lot of them. (laughs) The ones in the new movie, the The Guardian Galaxy, I got a kick out of. But my all-time favorite was the one where I was with Thor in a bar, 
and uh, Thor was drinking a Norse drink, and I said, hey, let me have some. And he said, I couldn't drink it. It's too strong for a human being. And I said, nonsense, I could handle it. Anyway, he gave me a sip of his drink, and in the next scene, they were carrying me out. But the thing <laughs> I loved about that cameo is, if you think about it, that is the only cameo I've done that had two scenes. It was more than a cameo. It was almost like a role in the movie. So now I'm shooting for cameos that have three scenes, four scenes. Eventually, I hope to be the co-star. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So th that, that concludes uh, our questions. <coughs> Max and Stan, thank you so much for taking the time. And, and for our friends in the press, ho hopefully that was uh, both fun and useful. If you guys have any follow-ups, um, to Stan or myself or Ben, please feel f free to email Joanna, who you've already been in contact with at, at um, uh, our, our PR firm. And thanks, everybody, so much for taking the time today. And we'll see you all in uh, D.C. And in two thank weeks you. Today. I really enjoyed it. They were good questions. Hi, guys. Let me know what you thought of the Stan Lee interview. Next week, EJ is going to be back. I'm going to make sure he's back. I think we're going to go see, like, a shark movie. With a pop singer in it, Mandy Moore, something like that, 47 meters below. I think we're going to be talking about sharks next week. That's what I think we're going to be doing. Bye, guys. You have a good weekend. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host, EJ, is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. Do it. Subscribe. If you have a chance, we greatly appreciate our review of our show on iTunes. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeyspiderrobots.com. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 125th episode of Monkey Spider Robots a success! That was my mother's voice. That's all I got. Because my voice is out. It's done. Special shout out to my co-host, EJ Marino. You were not here this week, but you were still here. Jeff Shea is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey's Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey? Are you a robot? The staff of Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkey's Fighting Robots. With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com.